Skype from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. Happy Fourth of July, Trump, John Trumbull. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. Happy, happy Fourth of July. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I I appreciate the sentiment even if I can't totally get behind it this year. It's mm. yeah, I'm not feeling real real patriotic, feeling more uh what's the word? Enraged. There it Enraged, is. Enraged, right. I think is a good word. Tell him what's up, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Drop some knowledge, kid. What's up? Tell him why you mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean this is a weird week. I mean, our original yeah. plan for a 4th of July movie, I was trying to think of like a an SNL, a movie starring an SNL alum that had some sort of 4th of July connection. And what I initially suggested was that uh, Jason Sudeikis movie from a number of years back, uh, We're the Millers, where he's, he's like transporting uh, marijuana across from Mexico, which I'm sure is a thing that happens right. every day. Uh, right, so back back when it was illegal. Remember those days? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get to that movie at one point. I mean, the, the connection there was like the climax of that movie. It takes place on the 4th of July, and there are some fireworks at the end. That was literally all I had. And then right. a couple weeks ago, we had that the, the Supreme Court decision where they uh, overturned uh. Roe v. Wade. Yeah, the court decided, hey, let's just set everything back about 50 years or so. Yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't that a better time back when we were just, everything was illegal and people getting killed over bullshit? Let's go back to a simpler time like that. Yeah, and I uh, mean, we're, we both uh, do not agree with that decision, obviously. No, uh, no, no. And... I mean, it's it's awful. What else can you say? So yeah, I yeah. And then I was thinking about it a little more. And I was thinking like, well, is there any movie that is has an SNL connection and also hits on this topic that you know, so we could do something that's a little more topical and talk about this issue that is important to both of us. And I remembered uh, this movie, Obvious Child. Um, I was calling it The Obvious Child before, but it is just <laughs> Obvious Child. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that's the movie we're going to talk about. Obvious movie, Obvious Child, uh, starring uh, Jenny Slate, mm-hmm. who uh, had an interesting time on SNL. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, this movie was written and directed by Jillian Robespierre. That's, yeah, it's quite a name. Who um, I believe, like she's recently done like mostly TV stuff, but and she also directed uh, Jenny Slate's uh, SNL. Not SNL. Her uh, her Netflix special, uh, not too long ago in twenty sixteen. This was her uh, stand up special. Yes, uh, okay. Jenny Slate stand up special. It's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, so this movie came out in uh, when is it? Oh, uh, June twenty fourteen. June six twenty fourteen had a budget of one mil, box office three point three mil. Yeah, this movie is like super low budget, super duper indie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's almost mumblecore. Yeah, but, uh, I mean yeah. it's it's based on a short film by the same title uh, that was made in two thousand nine. I wasn't able to find that short film online, um, but I the 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 feature length version is basically an expanded version of that, and it also starred Jenny Slate. 
And before we get way into uh, discussing the movie, I get, I think we should say we did try to get uh, a guest with us to discuss yes. the, the movie because th- this is such a, I mean, it's an issue for everybody, but it's, it's particularly a, a, a female centric issue. So we thought it was, we, on stuff like this, we feel like it's important to have a female voice in the mix. Right. Uh, like we, I, I promise you listeners, we tried, we had somebody lined up. They mm-hmm. said they were going to do it. Um, you know, and also, unfortunately, like, um, all right. So basically the person I asked uh, is a comedian. She's hilarious. Uh, she's also extremely uh, pregnant. She's very, yeah. she's very with child. And she's also done like a lot of work. She's very, also very um, pro-choice and she's done stuff with the uh, Lady Parts Justice group, it's like, which I think is called now Abortion AF, which is like okay. an organization founded by uh, Liz Winstead, who's the one of the OG uh, founders or creators of The Daily Show. Yes. And yeah, yeah. So we were going to have this person on where she was like, yes, I'll do it. And then for a while, I hadn't heard from them. And uh, so it turns out between when I asked them and now, uh, she had... Went into labor and uh, given birth to her first child. So, like when I saw that on Facebook, I was like, "Ah, oh, probably won't have time for this podcast." Now. I I feel like your your podcast priorities shift when you have a child. So, I mean, and yeah. congratulations to her. We are very happy uh, for you. We hope your your baby is happy and healthy. And congratulations yes. on your expanding family. Absolutely. Uh, but we were just like. Well, yeah, they're definitely not doing the podcast now. Kids already ruining stuff. Now we can't have a podcast guest. This is this is actually like the second time this has happened to us, where we were going to have someone on, and then they have a baby right before. <laughs> SNL nerds, we are labor inducing. Then we'll see yeah. that. Apparently, apparently. So, um, so you know, this is what we ended up with. We we wanted to do the show for the Fourth of July because we thought it was important, and we tried to get a guest, and that didn't end up happening just because of circumstances and timing. And uh, so, yeah, we we've got just two cis heterosexual dudes talking about abortion, and that's how it yeah, is. Yeah, so we're gonna do the best we can. Yes, we're going to be very sensitive to it and just, you know, just, I mean, like, I mean, for me and myself, yeah, this is all kind of brand new stuff. I never really uh, had, or, or maybe I have known some people that have had abortions, but uh, they've mm-hmm. never talked about it. Or I've never, like, gone into, I've never gone in with somebody to have an abortion. I never had that uh, Ben Folds 5 brick moment. Mm-hmm. I'm This is all new to me, but, like, I'm, go, you know, I, I want to be as sensitive and uh, uh, what's the what's the other word? Just I just want to be as sensitive as I possibly can, and you know I'm, I'm I'll try not to be the, my my normal crass crude self. Yeah, yeah. I mean we we don't want to make light of this because it is such an important topic. Um, and although yeah, in and, the movie they do they do make a joke about it, which I thought was pretty funny. I mean, yeah. I mean there there is humor to be had there, and I th- I think this movie does a a pretty good job of walking that line and mm-hmm. and and it does some stuff that other movies that hit on abortion don't do um and we'll 
we'll talk about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm. I would I would say I'm I'm lucky enough that I have never had to deal with this situation in my life. I've never had like a close call with somebody. I've never had to go through this with a significant other or anything. And I feel fortunate in that regard. Um, right. You know, and, and also as men, we, we can, we have the luxury of not thinking about this stuff as much, you know, we, it's not even a blip on most dudes radars, which is a bummer, which, yeah. you know, cause yeah, it seems like most of those dudes are making the laws now for ladies' body parts. Which well, and it's also uh, just, I, I wouldn't bump. I bummed us out again, didn't I? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it, it's a serious topic, so yeah, there, we are going to be at least serious, and then you know, hopefully, we'll we can lighten up a little as we go because there are, like we said, there are funny moments in this movie. Um, but it's it's also just frustrating is that like so many of the people who talk about this stuff and they're making the laws about it they'll say these stupid, ignorant things where it's just like, you don't even have a junior high school understanding of pregnancy. Yeah, it's... You uh, know, like, somebody's like, oh, well, you know, if it's a legitimate rape, the, the, the body has a way of shutting that all down. I forget who said that, but it's like, no, no. You wait, what? You think that the female body just like hits a switch that says like rape, not rape, or something, and then yeah, yeah, do. It's it's just so dumb. I was I was telling I, yeah. Darren before we started recording. There was this story that's been trending on Twitter where like literally there's a ten year old in Ohio who apparently was pr- impregnated because of a rape and because of the new laws that just went into effect uh she was three days past the six week time frame where an abortion was allowed so she's she's now having to go to another state and i'm forgetting which state uh to have that done that's just that's just horrifying man yeah it's uh it's terrifying times it's i i yeah Oh God! Yeah, just just hearing that makes me just bum me out. Yeah, I mean, you just you just cringe at it. And if you have any sort of empathy, I think you're just like, oh my God, how can we let this happen? Um, and yeah, there uh, earlier this week there was somebody on on Facebook who was like, well, you know, abortion hasn't actually been outlawed in any states. I mean, it's just they've just repealed that, and I was just like, and and, and she was saying. Oh, and I know some people who use abortion as as birth control, and I'm like, no, you don't. You you think you do? <laughs> like, no, no one enters into this decision lightly. Because, <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, Even if they like do. I... So what? Because that that's what the whole pro choice movement is about: is you are allowed to make your own decision about it. Yeah, it's like, it's not my body. Why do I care what you... I mean, as long as it's something that's not... As long as you're not harming others, like, mm-hmm. living, you know, living people around, like, it's why do I care? It's your body. You do. If there's anything in this world that you own outright, it's the meat on your bones. I think, like, I remember, like, Doug, Doug Stanhope saying that. Like, it's mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. body. You do with it what you want. Like, yeah. like you know, you don't... You dress it how you want. You tattoo it or pierce it if you want. You shave it if you want. Like it's your body. Like, exactly. Like what the exactly. fuck? Like, and 
and and apparently this decision is even screwing up other people's uh, medical stuff because like there are some medicines that people take that can also be abortion medicines and like they can't get access to it anymore even though the reason they're taking these meds have nothing to do with abortions and it's just ugh. And, and this is just in like yeah. the couple weeks since Roe v. Wade has been repealed and it's it's, it's just scary stuff yeah man. this is just it's terrifying times, my friend. It's it's like the worst. I mean, I mean, guys. Wow, we're really starting on a serious note today. But yeah, like I yeah. mean, I guys, I would. I, I mean, I think you know. I speak for John when I say, yeah. If you're out there, just you know, donate to Planned Parenthood. Donate to any independent mm-hmm. clinics you know. Um, I know actually Vanessa Bayer put up a post on our Instagram about things you can do, like donate to an abortion fund at abortionfunds.org. You know, support your local Planned Parenthood. Um, if you go to keepourclinics.org, it's like a link to other independent clinics you can help out. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just all hands on deck. Do whatever you can because it is, yeah. It yeah. is gonna get it's gonna get way worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, so because I mean, progress is not always a straight line. Um, so, nope. all right, well. Ready for some comedy? (laughs) Are you ready to laugh? Um, So, so, I mean, this movie, Obvious Child, it it has some some very interesting backstory. It was it was marketed in a lot of places as an abortion comedy, which is just really interesting. Um, And um, the director and and the writer and director. Gillian or Jillian uh, Robespierre, Robespierre. I'm probably mangling her name and apologies. Robespierre. And um, apparently, this movie or the original short was partially inspired by movies like Juno and Knocked Up and Waitress. And all of those movies, they involve unwanted pregnancies. Uh, But in each of those, those films, the woman in question has a change of heart and then they, they end up giving birth. And this right. movie is different from those in that the woman in this movie, Jenny Slate's character, Donna, she decides I'm going to get an abortion and she never changes her mind. She never wavers on that. She never, there's not a lot of questioning about whether or not it's the right decision for her. She knows that it's the right decision. And you, right. and I, I really, really realize you, you don't see that story in movies very much. You don't see someone say, I'm going to get an abortion yeah. and then I go through with it. But it's much more common for them, for, for a woman to say, oh, I'm going to get an abortion. And then she has a last minute change of heart. Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, wasn't there an abortion like Dirty Dancing? Like that's there the is. Thing, that's the only one I can think of, truly. Yeah. And, and that's the whole reason that uh, Jennifer Gray's character, Baby, becomes Patrick Swayze's dance partner is because his original partner has an unwanted pregnancy and they, they take her to get, I guess it's like a back alley abortion because it's like 1963 and what else is there? <laughs> oh, gosh. And yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So, and that movie was made in 1987. And so, uh, yeah, so this, and, and, and in those other movies, I don't think they're they're going for 
like a message of, oh, it's best to have your baby. I think it's just usually having a baby has more storytelling possibilities than not having a baby. Yeah. So I think that's probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's like, well, now that you've had this now, now what, now what do you do? Like, yeah, exactly. A lot of people can't see, you know, think the story's over right there. Yeah. uh, And so, um, uh, Jillian uh, Robespierre, uh, she said, you know, these were all movies I enjoyed, uh, but she felt they rubbed the wrong way by misrepresentation of women on screen when it came to unplanned pregnancy. They just didn't feel true. So, you know, she says, we knew the conflict wasn't going to be will she or won't she. I've already seen the movie where somebody's torturing themselves over the decision. And yeah, this this is a story that's not really told. And I, yeah. I think the I mean, movie's it's, pretty it's, exceptional yeah. for that reason. Yeah, very much so. Like, um, I expected it to hit like a lot of the sorry stereotypical beats that I've mm-hmm. heard in all those other movies that you've mentioned, where like it's very torch. Like, it's one of those things where she really racks her brain about whether she wants to have the pregnancy. I mean, ha- you know, have the baby or not. Uh, you know, like, I mean, she, she, I, I expect at one point, like a lot of, uh, people in her life, like her mother or her father to give her pushback about it or mm-hmm. to like, be vehemently against having an abortion. Like, Oh no, you need to have this. Like, I expect this, like a big climactic scene like that. But in this movie, everybody seems to be very understanding about it and okay with it. Like the, um, the guy who impregnated her, Max in this film seems like, I mean, he was a little upset, but he seemed ultimately to be okay with it in the end and understanding that, yeah, it's your body and you do it to what you want. And like, even, yeah, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but when um, Donna, uh, Jenny Slate's character talks to her mom and the mom is way more understanding than I expected her to be. And even yeah. she admits that like, oh yeah, I had a abortion too. And uh, when I was a teenager in the sixties, I was like, wow, I'd never, you, I never see this in film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I I didn't really realize how I don't I don't want to say formulaic about the other movies, but it it is a bit of a like a, you know this is the abortion story, and it's like that's the one abortion story you tell is like either somebody gets an abortion and they really regret it, or they are going to get an abortion and then they decide at the last minute, oh, I'm not going to get an abortion. Um, right. So. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, well. Actually, let's let's do this. Let's talk about uh, Jenny Slate because, like, as I said earlier, she had yeah. like, a very short tenure on SNL. Um, and like on paper, she should have been like you know a perfect fit for SNL. But uh, I know she was only on the show for like a year or so, and mm-hmm. yeah, like even she admits she was that a good fit on the show. Like she admits, yeah, like. Uh, I got, there was an interview I saw, I think on, I think it's off camera with Sam Jones. Oh yeah, I love that about show. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. And she talks about, yeah, like, you know, being on SNL was my lifelong dream. And like, you know, I, I worked really hard doing you know improv and everything. And when I finally got it, I was like, this is it. This is going to be everything I dreamed of. And she got there and it was just not what she thought it would be. It was very much like you have this big dream of something you, you, you wanted your whole life and when you get it like not only do you realize it's not what you thought it would be it's 
you're not quite sure if, if it's what you want. And I think that was yeah. her feeling towards it. Yeah, she she joined the like, cast think... of SNL for one season. This was from 2009 to 2010. My God, I can't believe it was that long ago because she still feels like a recent cast member to me. Um, <laughs> and And she's probably best remembered for on her very first show, she had a sketch kind of deep in this show called Biker Chick Chat. Um, and she accidentally dropped an F-bomb. I, I mean, I think in the sketch, they were Ugh. they were like saying freaking all through it. So they're, they're yeah, coming yeah. very close to saying the F-word and she very understandably accidentally said fucking instead. <laughs> yeah, like I, I remember watching that sketch and it, it broke my heart because when she said it, mm-hmm. you, you see this look on her face that she knows she fucked up. Like, yeah, it, like, it oh, sinks in. And, but I, you know, all you can do is just plow through and, and, and do your best. And, and yeah, that's, and, and F bombs have happened on SNL before. I, I can think like there, there's one where like Paul Schaefer, I think was the first person to drop an F bomb on the show. Where they were saying like uh, flaw. Oh, wasn't it? Or I thought like wasn't it? Uh, I mean, well, Charles Rocket that was the big. Charles one. Rocket was another uh, one. Yeah, Charles Rocket. They did a Who Shot Jr. parody, and he said at the very end of the show, "Oh, I'd like to fucking know who did it." And but no, it happened with yeah. Paul Schaefer too. Um, oh, okay. This was like I think in the fifth season or something like that. Um, and. Uh, Norm Macdonald, I think he once said, like, oh, what the fuck was that <laughs> during a weekend update? So, I mean, it happens. I mean, it's, ah, the... it's going to happen. And ah, what the fuck was that? Huh? Yeah. And I don't think most of those people were they were trying to, like, get one by. But particularly in a sketch where you're the whole joke is like you're try, you're coming very close to saying the F word, but you're not. You're probably going to slip right. up. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, like her time on the show was, like you said, was, like only a year. I mean, she had a mm-hmm. few characters, like repeat characters. Like there was that one, the um, Tina Tina, that kind of Latina uh, character. She had that like soul doorbells that sounded like her or car horns that sounded like her. Okay. Do, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm I'm reading yeah, like, her, her that a reference to that character on Jenny Slate's Wikipedia page. I have no memory of that character. I'm afraid because I haven't revisited <laughs> that season in a long time. So, yeah, yeah, like it's it's one of those characters that never really caught on. It was like I remember watching yeah. the sketches, and most people were like, "Uh, I'm not. What is what is this?" Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, it was just even she says in the Sam Jones interview, yeah, like. I like when I got there, I didn't realize how much of a, a straight up machine it was. And it wasn't like she's sort of more loosey goosey, you know, free form with her comedy. And mm-hmm. like with SNL, it's a lot more strict and regimented. And it's more like, no, you're doing this, then this, then this. And like, you know, like towards the end of her tenure, she realized, oh, this, what the way I do comedy is not conducive to the way they're doing comedy. Yeah, and, uh, it was it was rough for her. I, it, I think she I think even said she got like she had about a stage fright like a few years after she did the show, and like it really mm. kind of messed with her mind for a while. But I mean, she rough. has she has bounced back, and she's she's had a good comedy career since she had a recurring part on Parks and Recreation as Mona Lisa. 
um, Saperstein, who is the sister of uh, Jean Ralphio, Ben Schwartz's character. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been on Drunk History. She had a recurring part on the FX show Married, which I was a fan of. Um, Oh. Yeah, and I mean, she's she's done other stuff. She's in in Zootopia. Um, She just recently had... um, She's done a lot of voiceover parts. What, what was the movie she just recently had with um, the, the guy from It's Always Sunny? Oh, um, I Want You Back. Yeah, I Want You Back. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, actually, I, I saw that. It was actually good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sound surprised, but I, I shouldn't be. But no, it's actually a solid film. It's uh, with him, with her and uh, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny. Charlie mm-hmm. Day's always dope. And uh, But yeah, it's on uh, Amazon called i want you back it's it's a solid film like it's it kind of plays on some of the rom-com tropes but it's just like its own thing and it's genuinely uh, pretty you know a solid funny movie yeah so i mean her her character in this movie is a stand-up uh by the name of donna i understand that jenny slate used some of her own stand-up material in this like the, the movie starts out with her doing a routine at her local club or, you know, a bar, really, like back room of a bar, which is very common in right. New York City. And she's just talking about right. how, um, you know, like, no woman's panties are in good shape at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, like, when I saw her do, like, I don't know, like, when I saw her stand up, it kind of reminded me of a lot of Brooklyn comedians that I've seen. Mm-hmm. The time. Like, I've seen some variation of Jenny Slate's uh, Donna character doing stand-up at some point, whether, you know, Creek in the Cave or something. And it's right. like, you know, because uh, this character, Donna, she does, in the first few minutes, she does jokes about, you know, her vagina and, uh, you know, the way she looks super Jewish and, and uh, you know, her boyfriend, she mentions her boyfriend a lot and, like, their, mm-hmm. their sex life. I was like, yeah, I've I've seen some variation of this sketch numerous, or this 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 comic numerous times in the New York. Uh, yeah. Scene. But I mean, because Jenny Slate has experience in stand-up comedy, it's very convincing as a real stand-up set. It essentially is a real stand-up set because Jenny yeah, no, absolutely. knows how to absolutely. do it. So. Yeah, no, she's good. It, it was probably some of the most realistic like stand-up comedy I've seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also not like what you see on uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I finally watched the first couple episodes of that, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> well, oh boy, all right. Um, you know, because marvelous Mrs. Maisel, from what I saw, and I admittedly I just hadn't a very limited sampling, but it was just like, oh, you just go on stage and you talk off the cuff, and and you get stupendous laughs, and it's that easy, and every set is different, and yeah, there are comedians who go up on stage and just riff, but. Like this movie shows that there are peaks and valleys when you do that. It's not just mm. like you go up and spontaneously do a polished set. Yeah, like the oh well, we'll talk about it. But like the set she does after uh, the breakup is like, ooh, mm-hmm. that's that's a valley. Yeah. That so is a so she's she's talking about her relationship in her act, and then after she gets off stage, her boyfriend Ryan dumps her in the club bathroom after her set. And he says, oh, yeah, I've been sleeping with someone else. And it, it turns out that he's been sleeping with her friend, Kate. So this this throws right. Donna and for also- a loop and she gets she gets drunk and she leaves a ton of voicemails on Ryan's uh, 
machine. It's uh, or or his phone because it's 2014. It's not a machine, right. but it's it's very exactly. much like that yeah. Stephen Swingers. Yeah. Oh, very much. That. Also, uh, so Ryan, her boyfriend that dumps her, played by Paul Briganti, segment director of Saturday Night Live. Oh, hey, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little so, Easter egg there. How about that? That's neat. So, I mean, Donna, of course, she's she's in a bad state because she's she's been dumped. Nobody likes being dumped. Um, so she's starting to spiral mm-hmm. a little bit. We, we've got her uh, best friend played by uh, Gabby Hoffman. Who... Yes, uh, Nellie. Nellie. Okay, yeah, I didn't get her character name. And then she finds out shortly after this that at the bookstore... Donna finds out that the bookstore that she's working at is going to close down because their landlord is kicking them out in six weeks. So Let's, she's you know, in New out of York. a job. Well, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's not good. Her her life's not going in a good direction. Yeah. Um, but think of all the have... think of all the material she's going to get with this. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, a a friend of mine said recently like you can't really create when you're in survival mode and that is that is very very true i mean if you 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 have to have enough stability in your life that (laughs) you're not constantly scrambling (laughs) to to survive um i've i i've seen numerous comedians uh do the quite opposite of what you're saying good sir well, not everyone can do that. Uh, I'm just saying. Um, we also right. have Richard Kind uh, playing her father, the great Richard Kind, who you know from Spin City and a million other character roles. And he, and he's really cool. I mean, who doesn't love Richard Kind? He's awesome. His, the name Kind is his is his name. Yeah, yeah. It's his last name. Come on, man. And it's and great. he's friends with George Clooney. So what? Yeah, yeah. That. Richard Kind is like in George Clooney's like inner circle of friends because like he they befriended each other when they were up and coming actors. Holy mo! Wow! All right. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Good little little fun Good fact about Kine. Richard Kind there. Wow, he has George Clooney's f- phone number in his in his cellular. He probably has George Clooney on speed dial. I'm I'm gonna say. Tight. Well done, sir. Yeah. Well done. I mean, like they get together, they play basketball, they ride motorcycles. They yes. they do fun <laughs> stuff. They ride off into the sunset. I can, I can picture it now. Yep. Yep. Um, the one the one thing the only thing I found sketchy about Richard Kind's character is he they're having spaghetti together and he makes a reference to to them having honey in spaghetti sauce, which I've never heard of. Is that a thing? What? I have never. That is, that sounds disgusting, and ho- like if I got that in a restaurant, I would send it back. I've never heard honey and spaghetti. Oh God! It sounds weird, right? I mean, I think I feel like that is the yeah. thing that should be outlawed by the Supreme Court. I mean, I don't want to knock it because I've never tried yeah. it, but it sounds sketchy to me. Yeah. Look I, again. I don't want to prejudge. I'm sure people thought you know pineapple and pita was disgusting too but i really can't see honey on spaghetti sauce being any good at all yeah I, but i don't I know, know. Hey, that wrong. just that just sounds really strange to me and and hey i'm not going to get militant about the 
the pineapple on pizza thing, you know, the, the pineapple with a little ham, the, the Hawaiian style pizza. I think it's fun every once in a while. If you enjoy the pineapple, same on the thing. Pizza, go nuts. Enjoy you the pineapple Live your on your life. Pizza. That's what I'm saying. It is all about choice. We are pro-choice here. Go on. Yes, go on, live your life. Do what you got to do. Go on, live your life. Right. Um, yeah, like there are people who get bananas angry if you mention that you like uh, pineapple on pizza. They're like, get out of my house. You you disgrace my mom. And then they just like, like kick you out of their lives and in their home and everything. It's like, yeah, it's just it's pineapple weird. on pizza. It's just yeah. Pizza. And that's, again, it's like, is anyone forcing you to put pineapple on your pizza? No, probably not. Right, no one's so, doing that gunpoint. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, the honey and spaghetti sauce, that just jumped out to me when I was like, what? What? Okay. Oh. So yeah, that... If, if, that's a, if that's a thing, please cool. let us know. Uh, tweet at us, uh, at SNL Nerds Show, and uh, let us know. Is that yeah. an enjoyable thing? Are we missing out? Should we try that? I don't know. Yeah, let us... Educate us. Educate us. Educate us. Educate us. Um, let's see. My ne- The next note I have, uh, this was in one of her post-breakup stand-up routines where uh, Jenny Slate talks about how she looks like Anne Frank. And she said that, and I was like, oh, holy crap, she kind of does. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I thought, I thought that deserved more, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. No, that's a, that's a uh, good observation. I like, I like when a, a comic has a good offbeat, hey, I know what I look like, and then they have a thing like that. That can be really hack, but if you can do it in a clever way, it's really funny. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so at this point, uh, Jenny Slate gets gets super plastered, bombed out drunk, still upset Mm -hmm. about the breakup, and uh, of course, she gets up on stage and talks about it, which, uh, you know, as you say, John Trumbull, you shouldn't maybe do that. You should maybe wait until you're okay with it. You shouldn't go up and, you know, just vomit out all your angry feelings in front of, in front of an audience, you know, even on a free show in Brooklyn. Well, I mean, uh, here's the yeah. thing. Okay. I mean, one, you shouldn't go on stage drunk. <laughs> I, I mean, well, <laughs> I always, I always try to wait and have a drink after the set. I mean, you want to have your wits about you. I, th- I think that's generally a good idea. Maybe if you can handle like a, a one drink before you go on stage, but don't go up there sloppy. That's that doesn't do anybody any good. Agreed. And Agreed. Also, yeah, there's a difference between just whining about your life and writing jokes that are about how your life is going off the rails. And and Donna doesn't quite do that. Yeah, because she's in a state. I think I won't. I think at one point she says, like, I feel like when someone does something bad, they should die, but instead we die. Uh, yeah. Not not met with laughter, that line. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. All the, the whole time I was yeah. like, somebody should be giving her the light, right? Should, should somebody be, like, giving her the light at this point? or? Yeah, you don't, you don't see anybody give her the light. Um, it's... Uh... Yeah, usually, usually um, when we say uh, get in the light, that's somebody turns on a light. And like some clubs, they have like a light on the ceiling that lets you know, hey, your time is almost up. And most small bar shows or things like that, they'll hold up their cell phone in the back so you can see it from the stage. And you're just like, oh, right, I should wrap it up in a minute or two. So. Right. Sorry, yeah, guys. That, yeah, that, that, that was uh, industry that, jargon. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, her her friend hosts the show, so maybe she has extra leeway there or something. So right, her uh, um, so friend Joey, played disaster, by uh, Gabe Liebman. What was that? Say that again. Her friend Joey, played by uh, Gabe Liebman. Uh, okay. Um, so after this disaster set, she meets this guy named Max at the bar who uh, was there meeting some friends and he didn't see their set. So Joey lies his ass off and he was like, Oh, Donna was brilliant tonight. She was really great. You should. Wow. You, Mm. you really missed out. It was one of her best sets ever. Yeah. And 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 Max seems like a nice guy. He's a little straight laced, a little nerdy, but he's in school overall. Yeah, like I think at one point, uh, I think uh, Jenny, uh, Donna talked to Joey about him. It's like, yeah, he's, I mean, like, because like Joey, he's a, he's a gay man, and he's like, yeah, he's really hot. And Donna's like, yeah, but he, he look, look at him. He's, he's like super Christian looking. He's, he's like a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, guy. and she's like, I'm, and 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 Joey says you could be the angel on top of the Christmas tree, and she's like, no, I'm the menorah on top of the Christmas tree that brings it tumbling down. I think she says. Okay, so uh, Donna and Max they they get rather drunk. They they end up uh, hitting it off, and they they end up hooking up at his place. Uh. Yeah, yeah, they they hook up. There's also like a little moment uh, before then where they get super crazy drunk, and of course, as as anybody is wont to do when they get super crazy drunk, uh, they go pee in the streets, and uh, mm-hmm. so we see um, Max peeing against uh, like a wall. Uh, yeah, he's standing up. Uh, Donna squatting down, you know, because that's that's how ladies pee. And uh, at that moment, heard, Max, yes. Max accidentally uh, farts. Yes, uh, Max accidentally uh, farts in her face, and she actually is not disgusted by it. She's actually, you know, thinks it's hilarious, and of course, that's followed by a, a passionate kiss on the streets post post urination. It's it's a beautiful, sweet thing. Yeah. So yeah, so they go back to his place. They hook up. You know, we we see like a little dance party thing. Um, they're 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 dancing to Paul Simon's song "The Obvious Child," which great song, underrated Paul Simon song, by the way. It's from it's the first song off of his album uh, "Rhythm of the Saints," which I think came out in like nineteen ninety. It was his follow up to Graceland. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with that song. Like I'm, I consider myself to be a pretty, you know, pretty good, pretty decent Paul Simon fan, and that one. Like, I, I totally did not know until this movie. I was like, oh, all right. This, this it's a good right. song. I remember uh, getting that album in college. And uh, yeah, it's it's a jam. It's got like, you know, it's, it, it's when Paul Simon was still experimenting with the African uh, rhythms. And so there's a lot of steel drum in it. And that's, you know, um, you know, it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice peppy song. Got a lot of energy to it, and uh, I, I think it's a, a strong Paul Simon song, a underrated Paul Simon song. Okay, fair enough. I guess I'll gotta add that to my queue and give it a listen. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So they hook up. They 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 go to Pound Town. 
Uh, the next morning, uh, Donna, you know, <laughs> leaves in the night. Uh, you know, the next morning, and um, so then the, the, you cut to a few weeks later. Uh, her and her roommate are trying on clothes because Donna has, I believe, like a a job of what's it called? A job interview. She, well, yeah, like she's still she's still like at the bookstore. She's like helping them get everything packed up and cleared up. So yeah. Right. She's helping them pack up and get cleared up, but she's getting ready to go out into the workforce. And then she's like, oh, wow, my boobs are sore. And then her mm-hmm. friend jokingly says, oh, wow, maybe you're pregnant. And of course, yeah. that causes her to be like, oh, my God, maybe I am. And, right. Uh, because uh, then she then she does the math. She realizes like, oh, no, I, li- I missed my last period and I never I'm never late. And da, 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 da. And then she sort of starts trying to reconstruct her evening with Max. She says, I remember seeing a condom, but I don't remember what it did. So she's not certain if they actually used a condom and practice safe sex or not. So it was the condom was in the room. It was in the vicinity. It was there somewhere. Yeah. And from what I understand, condoms, they don't work terribly well if they're just in the general area. They actually have to be, they actually have to go on top of a penis. This is what I have learned in uh, health class. Wow. Uh, Oh boy, I got to make some calls then. This is new information to me. Yeah. So they, they get a, they get a pregnancy test, uh, you know, the, of the, the pee on the stick variety, uh, they're they're in the bathroom together, and uh, her her friend. Um, what's the friend's name again? Gabby Hoffman's character. Her uh, Nelly. Nelly, and Nelly is like you know while because you have to wait like two and a half minutes, which seems like an infinity when you're waiting to find out something that big. Nelly's like, well, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the bathroom while we're waiting. <laughs> There's a lot of bodily <laughs> functions in this movie. Yeah, they seem to be super close friends. I don't know how close I am to my friends where I'd be okay with them just peeing in front of me. And but I don't know. I need like a divider or something. Like we're we're cool and all. I don't want to see you do do your you know take a whiz, my man. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. Me me neither. I I I would have trouble with that. I think I have enough boundaries, or I'm repressed enough. However you want to interpret it, I would I would have trouble with that. But yeah, women are. I think generally more just like, hey, you know, do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Top and squat. So, yeah. So the, the test comes out positive. Um, then she goes to see a doctor to confirm, of course. And the doctor does confirm that Donna is pregnant. And she's like, well, we can't have an abortion quite yet. I mean, Donna is certain that she wants an abortion. And they say, well, we have to wait a few weeks. So they schedule an abortion for Valentine's Day. And the, the doctor tells her Aww. the the uh, the abortion will be five hundred dollars. And Donna says, that's my entire rent. And I was like, what? Your entire rent in New York <laughs> City in in 19 in and 2014 is just $500? I mean, even if you're splitting a rent, that seems like a great deal, man. Yeah, that that threw me for a loop because even I was like, 
Okay, it's t- 2014 wasn't that long ago, and in especially in Brooklyn, rents back then were crazy. Yeah. Now they're astronomical, but but yeah. 500. That's uh, I don't know. Part of me is like, all right, who's helping you out here? That that, that seems right. low. I haven't gone to like the inflation adjuster to find out what that is in 2022 dollars, but that jumped out to me. I was like, you're paying 500 in rent. How? How are you getting that deal? And can I time travel back to 2014 to get that deal? (laughs) We have to go back, Marty. We do. Brooklyn apartment. (laughs) Um, And so, um, so yeah. So then the rest of the movie is kind of covering the time between her scheduling the abortion and waiting to get it done. And, uh, during this time, she finds out that Max actually turns out to be one of her mother's students. Her mother is Professor Stern at some school or college. I don't know if they ever said where she teaches. But yeah, Max comes by her mother's apartment to return a book that he borrowed. And they run into each other and they have kind of a meet cute. Like they don't know each other too well still, but there is some chemistry there. Uh. Yeah, yeah, they actually, yeah, it's like you said, like, um, there is something there. Um, yeah. And of course, throughout all this, um, you know, Donna's wondering, oh, should I tell him? Should I tell this total stranger that I'm, you know, knocked up with his uh, love child or, or what? Yeah. And, uh, you know, should I tell anybody? The only person she tells or, you know, she's comfortable talking with is her friend Nellie. And like, they, they also have a heart to heart about uh, Nellie's abortion, about how she went through it and how she felt about it. So, yeah, yeah Nelly had one like back in the '90s, sometime. So, um, yeah, so we get her experience in there, and and Donna asks her a few questions, like, "Did it hurt? Was there pain?" And Nelly's like, "No, not really. You're, I mean, it's it's like a quit a pretty quick procedure. It's like five minutes, and you know, there's a recovery time and and all that. But but she also says, "I don't really regret doing it because it wasn't the right time for me." Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like uh, again, it's it's this. This is one of those scenes where I was like, yeah, I don't really see scenes like this in movies that often. No. And I feel like it happens a lot more often than uh, than than we're seeing in movies. Well, I I mean, I forget what the exact statistic is, but I mean, it's so common. I think it's like at least one in five or maybe even one in four women have had an abortion at some point in their lives for a variety of reasons. So yeah, it's like you should see this type of thing in movies and in TV shows way more often because it is such a common life experience. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where it's such a touchy subject and it, Mm-hmm. So many people have such strong feelings about it. I'm sure, like a lot of studios are like, "Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Let's let's let's, let's sidestep that." Yeah, I get it. Thoughts. I get it because it's yeah. I mean, I think a lot of places they don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole, and and I get that. I get that. It is it can be a tough thing to talk about. It can be a tough thing to tell the story in a respectful way. Um, and then yeah. The, there's this weird sort of middle section of the movie. We have a bit where where David Cross comes in the movie as another comic. 
And I don't know if they ever referred to David Cross's character by name. Cause so for part of this, I was like, is David Cross playing himself? Cause he's playing a very David Cross esque character in this. Yeah. I mean, according, yeah, according to Wikipedia, he plays Sam, a right. comedian and a friend of Donna's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is. He just, he does kind of come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very odd. Like, uh, so basically he's another comedian uh, he ta- Donna knows him pretty well, and he talks about he just got back from L.A. and how much he hates L.A., but it looks like he's going to be moving out to L.A. because right. he um, he sold a pilot, so he'll yes. be moving out there for a pilot season. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, he has a very David Cross kind of energy in which he seems kind of nice. He also seems like he's kind of a dick sometimes. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and that was my experience when I met David Cross once. So, sounds like the story there. <laughs> uh, there, there is like okay in the early two thousands, I was going into the city on like a near weekly basis to go to a comedy show called Invite Them Up that was co hosted by uh, Eugene Merman and Bobby Tisdale, and they ran this room in a, a club uh, bar called Rafifi in the city in the East Village. And, uh, one night I was there with, uh, my buddy Frankie and I think a couple other people and, um, David Cross was hanging on around outside after the show. He didn't perform that night. It wasn't unusual for somebody like David Cross to perform at, uh, at invite them up, but he didn't happen to perform that night. He was just there hanging out and I saw him and this was like shortly after the first season of Arrested Development and it had finally been renewed for a second season by like the skin of its teeth. And I went over and decided to just say like, you know, Hey, I was really glad to hear that Arrested Development's coming back because you know, I was a comedy hipster. And, um, <laughs> and he was just kind of like, he just kind of like looked at me and didn't say anything. <laughs> so yeah, he was kind of a dick. <laughs> wow. David and, yeah, Cross I was rude to me once at a Lakers game. Exactly. Exactly. It was very much that energy. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't really take it personally because he, he was just there to hang out with his friends. Um, so I get it, but yeah, he could have just said, Hey, thanks man. And I would have been fine with that. I wasn't looking to have a big uh, conversation with him. I was just looking to have a momentary connection with him. And David Cross that night could not even manage that. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I caught uh, him on an off night, but uh, yeah, he can be a he can be a dick at times. <laughs> I I have heard. I mean, I don't think he's at the level of Chevy Chase or nothing, but like I have heard. Right. And even by his own accord that, yeah, he could be a bit of a. A prickly pear, we'll say. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, Google, Google David Cross and Charlene Yee sometime and uh, learn learn that backstory. That's an interesting story. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Oh, um, so, yeah. So, so David Cross... Um, yeah, he's he, he's kind of bonding and, and vibing a bit with Donna and... Uh, and she's like preparing to go to another location with, uh, I'm just going to call him David Cross because he's essentially David Cross. <laughs> and then Max That's comes fair. by, he's, he's, he comes by, he's missed the set, but he, he wants to hang out with Donna. 
because you know he likes her and there's some chemistry there and she she basically ditches max to go hang out with david cross uh uh yeah because like i think the the it's like david cross and don are about to get into a cab then max comes in and all yeah. you know walking up the street like oh did i miss it oh no i'm so sorry i missed it like yeah, i'm busy with yeah. work and and then i think don is like yeah we're gonna go hang out if you want you can come with us i think she says and then yeah. you know uh, max peeps the situation it's like oh it's just the two of you hanging out and then don is yeah. like no no it's not like that and then max is like it really looks like that hmm. yeah and yeah. uh yeah and then uh cut to a next scene where it's just yeah, uh, David Cross and Donna hanging. The two of them hanging out in a alone in an apartment with dim lighting. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, and it, Cross it, it's kind of yeah. David Cross's mm. character, he's house sitting for a, a well-to-do friend of his, and and yeah, they're they're hanging out, and and David Cross tries he tries to make something happen, <laughs> and it's yeah. it's a very awkward scene. I mean, there's nothing more awkward than a comedian trying to score. I think we can all agree oh, with that. Oh, yeah. No, that's a horror show. It's no, it's it's not <laughs> good. We are we are not well socialized people. <laughs> yeah. It's just me just me trying to turn uh, Marvel quotes into uh, come on lines. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Did that in a private <laughs> message today, my friend. Oh, shit, did you? I just... Oh, all right, wow, okay. <laughs> there was some discussion with uh, about, a Marvel, about Marvel movies with a girl I, I was I was PMing with. Um, I will not say any more, um, but yeah. Dude, I had no it's idea. I just pulled that out of my ass. I, I, I literally had no idea that, oh boy, this is awkward. No, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So I mean, uh, Donna quickly realizes, like, oh yeah, he, he David Cross guy wants to get something started, and I'm just not having it. And then so she gets out of there, and she she calls Max, and she's like, oh hey, I'm so sorry I ditched you. That was horrible of me, and I should have hung out with you instead. Because you seem like a good person, and he was not. <laughs> right, and he was David. And he that's was the David last Cross. we see of David Cross in the movie, which is which is kind of weird. It's it it's kind of meandering in this middle section. Yeah, a little bit. I guess they feel like they needed some type of, I don't know, some type of uh, what you, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a third act, some type conflict? of friction. Yeah. Yes, like some type of conflict or friction. In order to like propel the the final act, but I was like, yeah, it felt like it was just kind of wet, forced in and a little meandering. It was, I mean, it was fun enough, but I was like, yeah, this didn't, yeah, this didn't really need to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I, we skip ahead in time a little bit more. We we it's now February thirteenth, so the day before uh, Donna's abortion is scheduled. And it, it's also kind of funny is because February 13th is my comedy anniversary. That's that's the anniversary of the day I first got up on stage at Tierney's and started to do stand-up comedy seriously. I'd, I'd been up on stage once before that, but I don't really count that because that was like a one-time thing. And then I didn't go up again for at least a year. 
Um, so, but yeah, February uh, 13th, uh, 2011, I think it was, was uh, my first time I oh, wow. seriously got up on stage. So, I didn't know that, man. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. And hey, I don't know what... I don't know how to count it now because like, you know, COVID and I was getting up on stage very infrequently before that. So I don't know if it really adds up to 11 years. I feel like it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, uh, I feel like I should I, have yeah, a yeah. couple years deducted from my total is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to think, oh, yeah, like, I, it was 11 years generally, but more like nine. Yeah, yeah, it's probably realistically something like that. But yeah, for simplicity's sake, we'll say 11 years. What the hell? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, so at this point, it's uh, the 13th. Uh, Donna's going to go on stage at her local haunch. She even says, yeah, this yeah. is like pretty much the only place I do stand up this one bar in Williamsburg. And, uh, you know, she called... I can, I can uh, scroll like that so hard. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, this... Like, I... I'll give this to this movie. It, it, it gives, like, a very realistic depiction of stand-up comedy in New York, which I've said before. It's like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, this is it. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yep. yeah, so she... Yep, she's she's left a, she's left messages to Max to come out, and uh, she's she goes on stage and she you know she makes this whole bit about uh, you know her being pregnant and her mm -hmm. getting ready to have an abortion, and uh, she sees that Max is actually in the audience. Max came mm -hmm. in just before she was about to do this, but she goes she goes ahead and tells it anyway. Which is yeah, uh, and so ballsy. Max literally finds out that Donna is pregnant from watching her act in the club. Very awkward, extremely awkward moment. But she, yeah, and she forges ahead and she says, like, yes, I've decided I'm going to have an abortion. I'm going to have an abortion tomorrow. You're all going to come with me because we bonded now. And it's actually like, it's very awkward at first, but she gains momentum and she does find the funny stuff in it. And it's, it is a good set. It's a, it's a strong set. Um, I, I liked what she said. Yeah, it's not going to be the worst Valentine's I've ever had, which that's a good line. It's a good line, man. No, yeah, absolutely. Kind of also reminded me like of, uh, remember that set Tig Notaro had when she found she had breast cancer and she kind of yes. went up there and took I it. actually yeah. just kind of listened to that again, uh, very recently, like within the last week. And yeah, uh, Tig Notaro, she went through a horrible breakup and then I think her, her mother died and then she was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And she went up and did this set like literally on the day she got diagnosed, I think. Um, and she, she goes up and she just kind of talks for a half hour or so. And it's an incredible set. And you just hear her like working through it as she goes. And yeah, it's something else. It's something else to listen to. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty epic. This kind of reminded me of that. It was very, like the set was very confessional and you could tell she was going through something and kind of going through what, you know, was happening to her in the moment. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you get a good sense that she's not like, you know, thrown by it or she's not like going to, you know, I mean, this is the difference between, you know, the set she's doing now and her last set where she was drunk and talking about her ex. Like with that set, 
you could tell she, she felt like she was about to fall apart any minute. But this one, you, you can yeah. tell she had like a very a better handle on things. And I, I think for audiences, that, for comedians, that's what you want. Like your audience needs to know that you got a handle on it. Like you're not gonna fall apart weeping on on the stage at any at any moment. They want right. to know that you're okay. So like as long as the audience knows that you're okay with this and you can laugh at it, then they can laugh at it, and then you can have this nice bonding. Moment. Yeah, you can you can talk about tough stuff on stage and you can talk about real personal stuff on stage, but you still have to have enough distance, I think, that you can you can find the funny in it. It's not it's not a therapy session. You're not just you you can't just go up on stage and vent. Um you still have to have jokes in my opinion. And <laughs> the nice thing about this set is yeah, she has jokes. I mean, she has some some written jokes and she has some off the cuff jokes and it's a good set. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a solid set. It's funny. And everybody liked it. Uh, Max uh, left like immediately afterwards. So like after he, the set, he leaves to during after my friend, him, he leaves during oh, right, the set. Right. He, he leaves before she is done. I rewrote, I rewound it because uh, I wasn't looking at the, at the screen during all of it, and I was like, okay, I've got to go back and see exactly when he left. Um, and yeah, he, he leaves shortly after that uh, it's not going to be the worst Valentine's I've ever had line. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah fair enough. I don't blame him. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so it's, then, uh, it's well, a yeah. hell of a way to learn <laughs> that A, you've impregnated a woman, and B, she's going to get an abortion. That's a lot to take in in like a five-minute time frame, man. It is. It is. You know, especially see since funny. Uh... Yeah, especially since they've run into each other a couple times since, and they've yeah. So, and she's she's right. Tried to tell him a few times, but she's she's kind of chickened out, I suppose. Yeah, like I mean, we kind of hopped over. There was like a scene where they actually go out to dinner, and mm-hmm. like they sit down and order, and you know, there's a of course there's butter and bread on the table and he warms up her butter for her. And she's like, Oh, did that's so sweet of you like, in his hand. I, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Which I guess I think they play it as kind of sweet. I think that's just kind of weird. I don't, I don't think I want butter that's been warmed in somebody's hand on my bread. Um, uh, yeah, that could I go either I, way. I would like rather have honey do... in my spaghetti sauce. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism, but it does. It does. But, but yeah. no, I am talking yeah. literal honey in my spaghetti sauce. I would rather have that than hand warmed butter on my bread. Yeah, because like in, in my mind, I'm like, dude, did you wash your hands? What? Are you yeah, doing? yeah. That that just seems kind of sketchy to me. Um, by the way, is it? Yeah. Okay, I know Donna is planning on having an abortion throughout this movie. But it's it's still kind of weird. You see her like drinking wine throughout this entire movie, and I'm just like, and and part of me just is like, it's so weird. You see a pregnant woman drinking wine, and I know a little that's supposed to be yeah. okay, and I guess it doesn't matter since she's planning to end the pregnancy anyway. But it's still like, ooh, that's that's not yeah. something you see every day. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I felt the same way too. Like, part of me was like, yeah. I mean, I know she is about to go through it, but like, I guess maybe yeah. the, 
don't know, pure, pure, like this, you know, puritanical, I guess, or male side of me was like, oh, I don't know if that's proper. But like, again, it's not my body. And, and then she does what she wants to do. Yeah. And, and realistically, it is a moot point because, yeah. Right. But it, it's just, you, you see that a few times and you're just like, oh, yeah, right. Ooh, oh, okay. <laughs> Not tapering off at all. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. All right. This this is happening. All right. This is happening. This is happening. Um, so, yeah. So the next day, we've got Donna and Nellie. They're getting ready to go out to the clinic together. And uh, apparently, they actually shot at a real Planned Parenthood office for this. They oh, wow. they consulted with Planned Parenthood and they got permission to shoot in a facility that they had in New Rochelle, New York. Um, okay. So yeah, so we're we're seeing a real Planned Parenthood clinic there. Oh wow! I, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, and so as while uh, Nellie and Donna are waiting for the cab, I think at one point Donna says, "Oh, let's just take the train." And then Nellie says, "No, we're waiting. We're taking a cab. We're aboarding in style." So <laughs> while they wait yeah. for the cab, so while they wait for the cab, uh, we see Max come up with a, a bouquet of flowers and offers to go to the clinic with her, which is very yeah, sweet. yeah. So he's he's kind of come to terms with it in the. 12 hours or whatever it's been since he saw that set, which is, that's pretty good. You know, he, he stands up and comes out to support Donna, which is nice to see. Um, Cause yeah. Could have been very easy for him to just dash or just like wash his hands of it all together. But yeah. So he, yeah, he, he like, doesn't, I, there's never a scene where he like tries to talk her out of it or anything like that. He just, he just shows up and supports which is which is nice to see yeah yeah i thought that was like the way his character's written he's like almost like unbelievably nice in a way mm-hmm. i guess where he's just like yeah i understand what you're going through that's totally fine it's your body and yeah it's like there's no pushback there's no like that's my kid too or anything like that it's just it's very nurturing understanding let me go with you let me support you and uh, while they're yeah. at the clinic they kind of talk it out and they both apologize for their behavior and the like you know are on a good on a good uh good footing or a good level like yeah uh, yeah before she gets their procedure done yeah yeah um because i mean really they've just gotten together for one night and you know then suddenly them having a, a baby together that's a lot that's a lot to put on any couple or potential couple and so yeah uh uh yeah and, and um yeah and then the movie it's, it's well again this is nothing this, this movie is super short it's like not even an hour and a half so yeah, uh yeah the movie yeah so the movie ends with her but, getting but, the procedure it, she yeah and there's oh, there's the a, a neat scene it's like pretty much like a dialogue free scene with just donna sitting in the recovery area and she's in like a pink uh hospital type gown and she's sitting there with several other women who I'm assuming have also had abortions that day and they're all just kind of sitting there in silence but they all have that that weird bond and you just see Jenny just kind of smile at another woman there and 
I mean, that yeah. it, it's it's something else. That that scene really struck me. Yeah, there's like a lot of nice little kind of quiet moments where, yeah. you know, you get to see uh, Jenny Slate really kind of stretch stretch her acting chops and really kind of give yeah. some warmth and humanity to this character and the situation she's in, and it's it's really uh, I really dug it. I really I really thought it was very sweet. It was it was just sort of a nice grace note, I thought. Uh, just in that aftermath, and she's just kind of coming down or recovering from. I mean, this this huge thing, and yeah, even if it's a, a decision that you're okay with, it is still a huge thing to do. So, um, but uh, yeah, and then we and we see uh, Max and Donna together. He's kind of helping her with her recovery at her apartment after uh, they're just on the couch together. And he's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to watch a movie? And, and they start watching gone with the wind together. Uh, they, neither one of them has ever seen it before. And I, I thought about it a little bit and I wonder if they intentionally chose gone with the wind, because like one of the most famous lines from gone with the wind is when the, the mammy character says, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. I want, I, I feel like that has to be intentional. I feel like that was maybe a deliberate thing that they put in there. Yeah. Part of me was wondering why they chose gone with, cause like a, it's a super long movie and B it's, it's like four hours. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. And also I don't, I don't think I've ever seen gone with the wind. I don't remember it, but yeah, it's like after you've had this procedure done, you'd think you'd want something maybe more, upbeat and light and fun mm-hmm. i mean gone within that going with the wind that's that's a chore that's homework that's a lot of movie it's a lot it. there's a lot in gone with the wind i mean it's a it's a good movie um i i first saw it i, I think it was like when they re-released it probably in 1998 or so i i can't remember that movie came out in in 1938 or 1939 one of those two um but yeah, good movie. But it's it's a time commitment because it is literally like four hours. So, but uh, but, yeah, it, but that, it's, I, it's just you, you you see the two of them on the couch together, uh, and yeah, they're just relating to each other very nicely. I, I thought it was a sweet ending for the movie. Yeah, no, it's a very sweet ending with the you know and a hopeful ending that all right. Mm-hmm. So now that they they went through this together, and maybe they've. I mean, this is, they've probably bonded closer than ever. I mean, like, uh, yeah, something like this, you know, going through this together, like bonds even closer. So then maybe there's hope that they'll have like a better, uh, you know, a, a nice, strong, healthy relationship together. Like, we'll, we'll see where this well, goes. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. know. I mean, the I movie's, agree with you. It's very sweet. It's sweet, but I think the movie is still kind of ambiguous as if they are going to be any kind of couple beyond this. Are they just going to. They could be a couple. They could just be friends. They could just totally drift out of each other's lives. And I think, I think the movie is just saying like all of that is fine. And the point is that it was not the right decision for her to have that baby. She was not in a place in her life where it was good for her to have the baby. She was not. She was not in like a steady or a stable relationship. She did not have like a regular means of income. She wouldn't have been able to support this baby. Um, and yeah, and, um, 
uh, Jillian Robespierre, I'm sure I'm mangling her name. I apologize again. Uh, She just says she, you know, she was talking in this New York Times article about how even in like Sex in the City, which is generally a sex positive show, they had a plot where Miranda at the last minute decides to continue her pregnancy. Um, and, and she said like, that's the formula we were fighting against. We were just, we're just so brainwashed to believe that's what a happy ending is. It's like, Oh yes, you have the baby, even if you have doubts. And, uh, Jenny Slate, uh, was more blunt. She says a woman who is not ready to have a baby making it work is not a happy ending to me. It's a personal nightmare. And I, I think that's an excellent point, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, um, I, I, I agree with all of that. Like, I think we're, we are conditioned mm-hmm. in this country to believe, like, yeah, having a baby, that's the happy ending, you know, whether you want yeah. it or not. But, like, we just don't want to admit that a lot of women just don't want to, aren't programmed to be moms or don't want to have kids. And that's fine. That's totally, that's yeah. totally fine. And, yeah, don't not everybody wants to get like, married. Not everybody wants to have kids. And, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is is you make the decisions about your own life. And uh, yeah, and I think that's that's what it's about. And yeah, it's, it's really exceptional that they did a movie of the story. And I didn't really realize until I was reading this New York Times article, it's like, oh yeah, you don't see this story. Like, at all. So. No, I mean, it's still, I mean, even in 2022, it's like still... Uh, super touchy for a lot of people. So, like the fact that this mm-hmm. movie was able to come out at all and be uh, quite a good film. I enjoyed this film, like overall. overall. I thought it was nice, short, uh, very sweet, very mm-hmm. you know, good depiction of the New York comedy scene. Like I, I really yeah, dug this yeah. film. I, like I, I wish more people would hope more people check it out. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's uh, not available on a lot of streaming services right now. I actually, it's on Showtime right now i actually signed up for a free week of showtime to uh check this out through through amazon prime so that's where i saw it uh you can probably also borrow it from your local library so it's not that obscure of a film i think no i think enough people know i mean we well we'll we'll probably get to our twitter but like i know i know it like a lot of people you know in um that follow us on twitter know about it i think it has Mm -hmm. its little its own audience uh it has it's like a little sort of niche uh audience uh yeah it's a nice little indie film shot in 18 days and uh premiered at sundance film festival and um i believe it was pretty well received um i know a few it, it got a lot of good you know uh praises from critics and whatnot um it also of course got some not so great uh you know reviews from uh, conservative, anti-abortion groups and whatnot. There was actually one uh, review that I kind of liked. Somebody from Christianity Today wrote, while I, utter, uh, while I ultimately disagree with Robespierre's political aims, at the least she had provided a sometimes funny, often tender portrait of many, though not all, women who face an unplanned pregnancy. And I think that's fair. Like, I was actually su- surprised to see that type of review. Like, that, you know, fair uh, assessment of the film yeah and you don't you don't really expect that in uh in like a, a christian publication I'm, i like that they were broad-minded enough to uh to see that and you know even if like 
they did not agree with the point of view the movie was espousing. They 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 still found something to like in it. Um, so we got we heard from a uh, Racine Oxtoby at uh, Chick Buck Boyle who said uh, obvious child is great. It's so refreshing to have a character say I'm getting an abortion and she does and it's no big deal. Uh, he says, will you be continuing the Jenny Slate train and doing Marcel the movie next? And I hadn't really heard of Marcel the movie before this. Um, so I did put it on our list of potential movies we can do. Uh, we're not going to immediately jump into it because we do have a plan for something else we're going to do it uh, do for next week. But we'll get to it at some point, I suppose. Uh, yeah, probably when it's like, you know, uh, streaming somewhere. I had heard about it because I did see... Jenny Slate was making the uh, the rounds on the late night uh, talk show circuit promoting it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard of it. I'm not exactly sure. I know it's like sort of based on some internet uh, thing or something or other. But yeah, it's a film called Marcel the Shell with shoes on. And she plays the voice yeah. of Marcel, this little small to- like sort of claymation shell. And it looks very sweet and adorable. So, uh, I don't know, maybe, okay. yeah, maybe we'll watch it uh, later on down the line. Who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, who knows? Anything's possible, is what I'm saying. And um, our friends at the Decomposition Podcast, they say, uh, named after a wonderful Paul Simon song. Yes, it is. Uh, talked about that a little earlier. And then they say, uh, ladies, find yourselves someone who warms your butter packets. Not a euphemism. Uh, it sounds like a euphemism, though. It really does. Like, oh, girl, he warmed my butter packet last night. Woo wee! It's uh, yeah. Uh, again, I no, I don't, I don't want someone handling my butter with their bare hands. <laughs> if you're if you're going towards my butter, you better be using a knife of some sort. Mm. I, don't, I don't want Parquet. somebody else's. I mean, look, the, the movie was made in a pre-COVID age, so maybe we're more <laughs> sensitive to this sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's it's weird that this movie's kind of a historical document at this point. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was a simpler, yeah, it was a simpler time. Uh, people liked hot butter, rent was $500. It was, yep. <laughs> I mean, simpler times. You could, you could, yeah, yeah. I, I it's just so weird because we don't really know what the future holds, but it, it, right now at this moment in time, it doesn't look great. And hopefully we can turn things around. I, I don't know, but we're going to do our best, I guess. Yes, we're going to do our best, keep fighting, stay strong. And of course, we're, we're always here at the uh, SNL Nerds to offer all, all the, our listeners a nice comedic respite from the uh, dumpster hellfire that is the world we live in. Like, come, come listen yeah. to us and, you know, laugh a bit before you go out uh, go outside in the real world where uh, shit, shit be crazy, as the kids say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also had a funky day. I uh, had a tweet that went uh, semi-viral today. So... That's oh, kind of cool. Do tell. Yeah. Well, tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Hamill. Okay. Well, like with some of the, uh, are these the abortion protests or the the celebrations for the repealing of Roe v. Wade? Um, you know, there there are 
there were some pictures that went viral of this rich white couple and they're like holding up signs saying we will adopt your baby so it's like yeah carry your your unwanted child to terms so that we can adopt it because we're such wonderful people and it's like no no if you were that great you would be going after kids that are already in the system mm-hmm. um and so like a, a thing that's become sort of a meme over the last week or two is the, you know, we will adopt your baby. And you show these hideously inappropriate couples and Mark Hamill, who is the voice of the Joker in Batman, the animated series, he tweeted a picture of the Joker and Harley Quinn with the caption, we will adopt your baby. And, uh, I retweeted that. And, uh, let's see here right now. It's gotten over 2000 likes and, uh, close to 300 retweets, what, which is a lot for me. So <laughs> that's more followers than I have on Twitter. So yeah, and Mark Hamill's liked it, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, not bad, so, my friend. Well done. Well done. Yeah. So, but, uh, so it's, been, I mean, it's hope- been an interesting day. Um, you know, I've, I've had a couple people kind of come at me, but thank God I limited the replies to people I follow or who follow me. So that's, that's limited the, uh, the pushback I've gotten in. I've, and I've been using the block button liberally mm. <laughs> because you know, my, my Twitter feed, my choice. Nice. Yeah. The block button is your friend, my friends. It, it really uh... is. You, you are, the the arbiter of your own Twitter experience, and don't let anyone guilt trip you about muting or blocking somebody who's giving you a hard time. Because f those people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> here, yeah. here. Yeah, I, some uh... people were like, "Oh, you don't want to hear from opposing viewpoints," and I'm like, "Well, yeah. If you're a complete stranger and you're a total ass." I do not. I do not. I have other ways I want to spend my day than engaging with people who I find annoying. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing with Twitter. Why I'm not. I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on it. You know, like that because, <clears throat> yeah, when people say, "Oh, you don't want to engage with blah blah," like people like that, no, they're just looking for a fight. They're not looking to have a nuanced discussion on something. Like, yeah. they're, they're not willing to say. Oh, I never thought of it that way. You might be right. No, they're looking to berate you and fill you with all of their, you know, incorrect hatred and and yeah, prove you wrong and win the argument. Yeah. I think that's the thing with Twitter and social media in general. No one wants to have a discussion. Everybody just wants to win the discussion. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not interested in, you know, hearing your side and you hearing my side. I want to just, you know, scream at you, win the argument, retweet my win to all my followers and show how much I dominated over you and how amazing I am. That's all I really want. And that's so that's, right. Right. I it's just, it's that, just mm. Twitter in particular is just kind of built for people getting their zinger in. And, and it, look, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to be hypocritical about this. That's totally what I was doing too. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I don't think it's really realistic or possible to expect any kind of nuanced discussion with a 280 character limit. That That's not a great start. <laughs> so, you know, but what are you going to do? I mean, 
you'd hope that we can figure all this out and come to some sort of consensus on it, but probably not. But failing that, you hope that at least we go with what the majority of the country wants. That seems rational to me. That would be nice. You would think that we would do that, but uh, mm-hmm. as they said in this movie, it's a. There was one point in this movie where they're like, "Yeah, this is the patriarchal patriarchal society where men, old men in robes, have control over women's bodies." I was like, "Wow, yeah. it's still still relevant to this day." It's more relevant today. That line. I mean that that line just hits home, man, and. Uh... Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to bring this all home, Darren. I, what, what do you say? <laughs> and that's the episode, guys. Guys, thanks for that's listening. That's the episode, guys. <laughs> so thank you for As listening to our our weird meandering discussion on this. I hope we didn't embarrass ourselves too much. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we did. Hopefully not. Yeah, not quite. Yeah. Um, so, so next week we're gonna do something a little lighter, something that still hits on sexism because it's a movie where it also got a lot of grief when it came out. It's uh, I realized just recently that we're coming up on the sixth anniversary of this movie. We are gonna cover the 2016 remake of Ghostbusters. Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, Kate McKinnon, uh, Leslie mm-hmm. Jones, Melissa mm-hmm. McCarthy, Kristen mm-hmm. Wiig. And uh, yep. if I'm not mistaken, this will be the first time either one of us has seen this movie, right? Yeah, didn't watch it uh, at the time. Um, oh, and we should also say that uh, Cecily Strong, another SNL uh, regular, has a part in the movie. Um, and it's uh, directed by Paul Feig. Um, yeah, I didn't, we can get into it more next week. I didn't see it at the time, not because of any like, oh, no women can be Ghostbusters sort of thing. I I just, I watched the trailers and it didn't look like an especially good movie to me. Uh, and also I was sick of most everybody in the cast at that point, besides Kate McKinnon, who I still love and will always love. Um, so that, that was it for me. Um, and is that a valid reason? I yeah. Generally, if a, if a trailer doesn't look good to me, I'm not going to run out and see the movie. So that's me. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I, uh, you know, I love Ghostbusters. I love all these actresses that were in it. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm with you. Like I looked at the trailers and I was like, oh, this doesn't look very funny. And it kind of looks like they're mm. trying to. Like it, it reminded me a lot of, you know, like you know like how sometimes when they'll when a cartoon will put out a female version of that cartoon, and like kind of market it towards a girls more. Like when they had the the Chipettes after the Chipmunks, or they had Miss Pac Man after mm-hmm. Pac Man came out. This this movie felt like Miss Pac Man, where it's like, oh, it looks close enough to the original. Like the Ecto One car kind of looks like the original one, and the uniforms kind of look like the original ones, but it's just a little off. And it just looked like it just looked like they were maybe kind of I don't want to say pandering, but it just like it just looks like somebody was like, "Hey, here's the girl version of it. Go go out and support this women. You got your own lady version of this now. All right, we, we you know, girl power. It just it, it felt maybe a little pandering to me. And 
Yeah, the trailer yeah, just I, didn't look good. My my main memory of it is it didn't look like there was much that was especially different uh, from the original outside of the genders of the main characters. And yeah, if, if you're doing a remake, you want to see like some sort of new spin or new twist on it. And also I was just like, I'd rather see this cast just do an original movie of their own about something that arises out of what they did. Cause I know Ghostbusters, I mean, that came out of Dan Aykroyd's interest in the supernatural. Um, but look, Hey, I want to I want to keep an open mind about this, and I hope I end up loving the movie. And I I I hope I watch it next week, and I'm like, that was wonderful. I was an idiot for not seeing this uh, six years ago in 2016. So that is my hope. I'm fingers crossed. If I'm going to feel that way, I don't know, but I'll watch it and I'll be as honest as I can about it. I'm the same way. I'm looking for. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. That I'm wrong. I'm because like it has happened before, mm-hmm. where you watch a trailer or a commercial for a movie, then you actually watch the movie, and you're like, "Oh, this movie is way better than the commercial than the trailer made it look." I'm hoping yeah. that's what's happened here. I'm gonna go in with a super open mind, and if I yeah. don't like it for whatever reason, I'm I want to come in with very detailed, very well thought out, very very reasoned reasons why this movie didn't work for me. But I'm. I'm going right. with an open mind and an open heart, John, hoping that yeah. this movie. And, and we're going to, we're going to try not to make this be a whole like, Oh, this sucks because women thing. Um, yeah, we don't want to be that. <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want to be that. So um, I think we are going to, we are likely going to have a guest with us next week to, uh, to help us out with this and, and let us know what she thinks. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, you know, come back and, and and see what we think, and tell us what you think. Tell us what you think of the the Lady Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, and uh, which yeah, they did not call them. They were they're just Ghostbusters, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but the, <laughs> exactly. all, they they got so much grief for this movie. This movie became such a thing, and it just mm. yeah. I mean, hopefully, the, all that fuss has died down enough that we can actually just look at it as just a movie. That would be nice. Yeah, it was a. Uh, we'll we'll get into it, guys. We'll get all up into it, and that's our episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, as always, mm-hmm. you can follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. You can follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter at Dare Incredible. That's D A R I Incredible. Instagram too. Follow. Yep. Follow me. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Trumble Comic. That's T R U M B U L L and the word comic. Yeah, and you can follow us at non-productive.com or on Twitter at nonpro and check out the other shows on the non-productive network because we got some cool stuff. Sure do. Sure do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, next week, 2016 Ghostbusters. That's what we're doing. And uh, thanks for listening for this week. So, until next week, nerd Nerds out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.